Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Grab It Quick News. This is our last episode of 2020. I know this year has slowly went by. I hope everyone has had a very Merry Christmas. I hope we were stuffed on our turkey day. And I just really want to thank all of my friends and fans who have been listening and writing me. This year has been crazy, but it's also been amazing. And I want to thank everybody for being on this journey. Gentle reminder, if you are 17 or younger, you do not have consent to listen. So make sure that you get your parents' consent. All right, let's get it. I wish I could say that 2020 was a magical year. With so many ruling planets coming in our orbit, that explanation would have flown over post-pandemic. Not this year, though. This year, as wild and as spontaneous as it's been, has been anything other than magical. The words that come to mind are bang, lonely, trying, and rudderless. Each word I chose can either sum up the year for you or imbibe an emotion that you felt. The losses were insurmountable, and the cruelty of the past four years condensed itself into this last year of 2020. This is the first year in my 30 plus years of life where no one, and I mean no one, has made a New Year's resolution. We are terrified and still in shock from the last year. Still possibly feeling those words, bang, lonely, trying, rudderless. For me, 2020 taught me to continue to use my voice for the greater good, inside as well as outside of my industry. We have the great AOC and the ACLU acknowledging that sex work is real work. It is a baby step in the chasm of equality, but it is a step that has been taken. The saying, taking one step forward and two steps back isn't failure, but a cha-cha has never rang more true than now. We have took one step forward by electing our first African-American first family and two steps back by allowing a government agency to defile his legacy, all in the name of keeping our country stagnant and rife with dissension. Oh yes, we have cha-cha'd. We cha-cha'd for Black Lives Matter, we cha-cha'd for climate change, and we cha-cha'd to remove a fake dictator out of office. My hope for 2020 is that we maintain our compassion, our unity, and ignite a passion in our youth that will help them fight the good fight for many, many years to come. I would be lying if I told you that I'm not apprehensive or even the least bit scared of 2021 and what it has to offer but I am. This year gives us all a chance to be resolved and to move forward better than ever together. So here's to 2021. May it bless us more than it curses us. And thank you all so much for listening.
in this episode of our podcast, since it is the last of 2020, I've went ahead and compiled some of my best advice. I hope you enjoy it. Happy New Year, babes. Our second letter comes from a female in Ohio. She writes, Dear Jessica, I just want a real relationship, but every time I give a guy a chance, he's not ready for nothing serious. I try to stick it out, but I feel like men are just not built to be in love and in a relationship anymore. Any advice? Well, first off, thank you for writing me the letter, female in Ohio. Second off, I'm really sorry that you feel like that. Um, Sometimes it could just be uh, destiny telling you to take a break. Um, I think every female to a point, I shouldn't say every female. I'm going to say 75% of females love the idea of being in a relationship. We get to wear matching outfits. We get to have sex whenever we want. Um... We get to run around the room naked. You know what I mean? We get to cook together. We get to get their friends and our friends together and um, do date nights and game nights and dress up for Halloween. You know what I mean? Like we just, (laughs) we like, yeah, relationship, I'm there. Okay. So with that being said, we have on relationship goggles, marriage goggles. So sometimes when we look at a guy who's, who may just be interested in us, sexually or as my mama would say a season he was on he only liked me for a season you know people stay in your life for a season a reason all that mess yes so instead of us recognizing that maybe this guy is just here for this particular season or just to take me to Outback Steakhouse (laughs) for tonight because hey I don't want to eat alone sometimes we'll be like you know what I want to try to get with him And we miss all the signs that this man has been saying to us. I really like you as a friend. I, you know, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now, but I'm open to it, which is every guy saying, you know, I'll pretend to, to, to be okay with it. And this is another red flag. If he sleeps with you the first night and no hesitation, he does not want to be your man. He doesn't because most men who want to be with you in that way, they want to get to know you first. They want to know what kind of crazy is going to come out that box (laughs) before they hit it. Like seriously, because he may be wanting you to be the mother of his child. You know what I mean? So there's going to be um, some time with most men who just want to fool around the relationship's going to feel like a whirlwind. It's going to be so fast. And your texting conversations are going to be very straight to the point. What are you wearing, girl? Send me a picture of that dot, dot, dot. Right? It's going to be super fast. You, Ooh, he moving, girl. Okay, he a Leo, Capricorn, da, 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 da. You're going to, you know, and that's why. Because he just wants to get in your pants. And there's nothing wrong with just wanting someone to get in your pants. If that's something you want, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're looking for something more, then baby girl, you got to up your game as well. So that means you can't 
say hi to every guy that looks your way because not every guy who comes up to you and flirts with you is relationship material sometimes the guys who do come up and say hi to you and I've had that where guys come up and say hi to me and I'd be like well he's the only one that talked to me da, 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 da. and then you know you realize later on like Ugh, he does this to everybody you know what I mean I wasn't special and so you have to remember that that not every guy who comes up to you is that guy not every guy that you go on a date with is gonna be that guy so if you're not gonna take a break from dating you may just want to do a reality check and then you also want to think about the common denominator that's you you are the common denominator as to why you are picking the same type of person so if you don't want to stop dating you don't want to keep picking the same people. Sometimes we we go to our friends. If you have good friends, not that one bitch that's going to hook you up with some sugar daddy ass nigga. You know who I'm talking about because we all have that friend. Be like, girl, he is a great man. You be like, okay, how old is he? He is 85 on a respirator, but girl, he will treat you nice. You just have to give him medication to wake him up and to make him go to sleep. Yeah. So have a trusted friend pick out a guy for you or two guys you know what I mean um or do a speed dating you know what I mean go to a dating service and really commit to it and don't well he's not like the last man I date or he or please and if you do date please don't bring up anybody that you've dated and don't tell them your hardships just be yourself and have a good time but I would say right now maybe you need to take a break especially if you have been dating on 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 if the shortest break you have had in between these people is less than 90 days then maybe you need to take a break because what could happen is you're getting into a perpetual repetitious motion of just being on auto subconscious autopilot where you are picking the same soul over and over and over in a different body same attitude same pattern same conversation but not the same guy and it's starting to frustrate you so if that happens just take a break regroup work on yourself read some good self-help books meditate you know what I'm saying get into your own zone hang out with your homegirls do some self-care get a, a massage a pedicure but Don't ever feel like you are less than anything because you can't land a guy right now. Anybody can land a guy. It's keeping a guy and that's what you want to do. So if you want to keep a guy, work on yourself, take a break, maybe have friends help. And number one thing on all this list, have fun. Thank you so much for the letter. Our second letter is from a male. He did not give a location. He writes, Dear Jessica, my girlfriend who I've been dating for the past four months has an ex that she does not claim. Situationship type beat is in uh, parentheses. They still talk though. Am I wrong for feeling some type of way? I'm going to say yes and no. No, you should not feel some type of way because if he was all that, 
she would be with him because obviously they had a situationship, you know what I'm saying? And most most male and females, if the situationship is right, perfect, you know what I'm saying? It's that A1 YOLA, hey, we'll get in a relationship, see how it works. And if it doesn't work out, hey, at least we still have a situationship. So she didn't do that. She's with you. She just still talks, which means he's probably the one that can't get over it. I'm just going to hip you to that game. All right. Um, why you should be annoyed. You should be more annoyed with him than her. Because women, we have something called sexual soul ties. When we have sex with people, we feel a connection with him. Even if it's just for that moment in time. 20 years from now, if we meet that person on the street, we're still going to want to be kind to them. Or, you know what I mean? Unless they're just a total dick. That's women. So she could just be talking to him to be nice because that's what women are taught. Be nice. Be nice. You know, so don't fault her for this. If anything, fault him and realize that he may be doing this for one or two things. He could be doing this because he is desperate and he really wants her back. Or he could be doing this because they really do have a genuine friendship. Would I say look away, let them go out to eat together without you, all that kind of shit? No, I would say be very vigilant about her and I would make sure that I would stay on my P's and Q's. So whatever you had to do to get her, you're going to have to continue to do to keep her. Just so you know, be hyper vigilant and make sure that you are reassuring her in this relationship that you are not a jealous type person and let her know that you're concerned if this has become an argument just let her know that your concern about this particular situation is coming from your heart and make sure that it is coming from your heart don't let this be about no competition shit where you know i just she mine don't ever let it come from a place of possession always let it come from a place of love like i love you i want to make sure that our relationship is a hundred and I can't do that if you got some dude that's always around you know what I'm saying if it's if it's that if it's not that then you may need to cut your losses or this is just I like this chick me and her it's a shallow relationship but I'm just gonna call her my girlfriend for the sake of doing it then I mean you know what I mean I you know what you need to do but honestly I would say um just Stay vigilant with it. Keep your eye on it and stay positive about it. Thanks so much for the letter. Our last and final letter is from a female in North Carolina. She writes, Dear Jessica, I'm sleeping with a co-worker's baby daddy. Ah, shit, y'all. We are cordial to one another, but we are not friends. We hung out at our last weekend office party. That sounds fun. She is super cool. Now she wants to hang out with me and my mutual friends. I feel like it would be awkward. Do you have any advice? Girl, you better keep your legs and your mouth closed. And tell all your friends to not... If your friends know about him, girl, tell them to keep their mouth closed. Okay, so this could be a setup. I'm going to be... I'm I'm a conspiracy theory blurred of all of them. So this is the weird thing about this, okay? So this could go three ways. All right, you ready for this? Way number one is that 
your friends, your mutual friends probably think you guys are pretty cool and recognize some fun, you know what I'm saying? And fun counterpoint in in each of you. And they want you guys to hang out so they can double the homegirl fun. And there's nothing better than hanging out with your homegirls, partying it up and having fun, right? It's just not. And um, that's the first scenario. You guys go out, you guys have a good ass time and you guys keep doing it. Because that's what homegirls is about. You know, the more girls you have out, the funner it can be and the better, you know, and the safer. Or the second scenario could be that they know you're dating baby daddy. You get in serious about baby daddy, but they all know baby daddy ain't shit. And they want to make sure that you're not going to make the same mistakes that baby mama made. So they want to hook you up with baby mama so that y'all can have that talk about baby daddy kind of like that love and hip-hop shit that they do (laughs) you know what I mean where we gotta sit and talk oh my god I was dating him but I want you to know when I was dating him you know the no comparing shit and me personally I don't ever fall for the no comparing shit because he could have been a totally different cat when he was with you than he is with me you know what I'm saying not every man is gonna act the exact same in a relationship especially if they love you now if they dog asses yeah they're gonna run the same fucking game they're gonna say the exact same thing they're gonna do it to the t and you'll know that you can tell when someone's a dog right okay or it could be number three and that could be messy boots your messy boots ass mutual friend want y'all to meet up because she's still fucking baby daddy and you fucking baby daddy and she want to see y'all fight over this dude yeah so those are the three scenarios that could happen and with each scenario that I've given you I want you to exercise caution I don't think that it is bad for you to want to you know pump your brakes and back up from the situation because you're correct this is a very awkward situation but with that being said, you need to be a grown woman about your shit. So if it is situation A, where it's just homegirls having fun, go have fun. You don't have to bring up baby daddy. You don't even have to text baby daddy. You don't even have to tell baby daddy that you're hanging out with baby mama because they're not married and it's none of his fucking business and it ain't none of her fucking business. Let's be real. It's not. Unless y'all are planning on being engaged within the next six to nine months, ain't nobody's business what y'all do. Unless you have made it somebody's business. And I hope you smart enough to not do that shit, right? Okay? So that's the thing. Now, if it's scenario number two, where it's a love and hip-hop situation where she want to sit down and compare notes, again, you just heard how I feel about the compare note shit. So it's really about how you feel about the compare note shits. Do you want to hear his baby mama talk about him? That's really what this is going to boil down to. Because she going to bring you up some crazy ass stories or she going to, honey, I've known him, nah, 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 honey, we've been together, honey, he always going to come back to me, I'm the baby mama, he'll never forget, honey, do you want to go through that is what I'm saying. Because it, even if y'all could have the coolest relationship ever, but as soon as you sit down with this chick and it could be just her trying to be nice about it and, and give you a heads up, she's still going to put that seed of doubt in your mind. And the point is, are y'all even in a relationship serious enough for you to even do all of that, right? 
So then the third scenario of messy boots, if that's the case, I would stay away because you a grown ass woman and real grown ass women, you don't fight. There's no reason to fight. I'm not going to fight over no man because number one, if he was a real man, he would never put me in a situation where I have to fight for him. Point blank, period. Unless it is a zombie apocalypse and that nigga is hanging on the building of a skyscraper and I'm pulling him up as zombies are crawling up the skyscraper and he like, babe, let me go. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's got to be some crucial ass shit for me to fight over somebody. And I want to point that out to you as well. Make sure it's crucial as shit. Make sure that this ain't just some dude that you having a good time with or that y'all got a situationship and you just feel like, you know, hey, you know, I'm fucking him, she fucking him, let's fight. Don't be there. Don't do that because it's really not worth it. It's not worth it. So I'm going to say whatever decision you choose to make with this, whether you choose to hang out with old girl or not, make sure that you have a solid excuse as to why you're not doing it and make sure that you don't look immature and make sure that your friends can keep their mouth shut if this is about baby daddy, because that's really what this could be. And unfortunately, yes, we're in 2020, but we still have some of those hating ass homegirls that we hang out with. And you know who I'm talking about. They act like they're your homegirl, but they really like to live vicariously through your life. So if that means that you're going to fight a bitch because they're messy boots, then they get to watch that and have popcorn on the sidelines. So just remember who is pushing this on you if this is something that she has brought up herself like baby mama want to hang out with you again be very mindful about that stuff and if you don't feel comfortable hanging out then just say I don't you know what girl I got so much stuff going on I can't even do it but just remember that you're a grown woman and whatever decision you make it's your decision all right just stay positive about it thanks so much for the letter Our second letter is from a male in Arkansas. He writes, Dear Jessica, I am 50% attracted to my partner's looks and 50% attracted to her personality. Is this normal? Thank you so much for writing me this letter, male in Arkansas. I think that when it comes to sexuality and attraction, um, there really is no weird or normal. Everybody likes what they like. You know what I mean? Like for me, I personally don't always look at a person's look. I look at your personality. I look at, you know, how you treat others. I look at your heart. So that, you know, quote unquote, isn't normal, but it's normal for me. So you may be one of those guys who likes to have a full package where you like the way you are attracted to the way she looks. You're attracted to her personality. And that may make for a really great relationship because you have to remember there are some people who date people who are 100% attracted to them, but they have absolutely nothing to talk about. They have nothing in common. And if that person were not attractive, they wouldn't be with them. We have a lot of folks like that. Then we also have people who they don't want to deal with really pretty people because really pretty people can be really shitty people or that's what they've said. So they only want to deal with really smart people because it makes them feel superior mentally. So is that normal? No, but it's normal for them. And that's the one thing. 
if you're in this relationship and she knows that you are attracted to her 100% and 50 is her personality and 50 is her looks, then, and she's okay with that, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. That is your preference. And we have to stop getting offended by other people's preferences because that's what makes the world great is the fact that not everybody wants vanilla ice cream. Some people like pistachio ice cream. Some people like mocha almond fudge ice cream. Some people like cookies and cream. Some people like chocolate. Some people like Neapolitan. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't ever get hung up, especially when you hang out with your homeboys. Well, I like a girl. Man, you need to get on with this team where girls get to look like that, that, that. Don't ever start comparing what girls should or shouldn't look like because that's when you lose the authenticity of the relationship. And you also lose that genuine affection that you feel for that person, as well as that genuine connection. So thank you so much for the letter. Let me know how it goes. Our last and final letter comes from a male in Colorado. He writes, Dear Jessica... I am thinking about proposing to my girlfriend. She is the perfect one for me. But there's just one problem. My mother still hangs out with my ex. I want to be clear. I do not hang out with my ex. I do not see my ex, nor do I communicate with her. Should I ask my mom to stop communicating and leave her alone or ignore it? Well, male in Colorado, thank you so much for writing me this letter. Um, I was watching Divorce Court and I know you guys are going to laugh, but that's like one of my favorite shows to watch because Judge Lynn Toler to me has some really good sound marriage advice. And one of the issues they were having was that the mother-in-law was still in contact with the son's ex and it had gotten so bad that the son was in tears begging his mom to call it off and then the mom pretended she didn't know what was going on so i'm going to tell you male in colorado don't let it get that far you need to tell your mother exactly how you feel now this is the thing with relationships sometimes we don't tell our parents the whole story of why we broke up because sometimes our parents can be judgmental. We can tell them some of it and they'll go, well, that's what you get. Sometimes we don't tell it all because we just don't want to hear their mouth. And then sometimes I notice, especially with African-American families, we get very frightened of our parents because they have put the fear of Jesus in us at a young age. (laughs) But you have to remember, you're not young anymore. You're about to start on a new grown ass adult journey, and that is marriage. And the first step to being married is the proposal. Then after the proposal is the engagement. Then after the engagement, it's making sure that our families blend well. That's why we have engagement parties, wedding rehearsals, things like that. So this question that you're about to ask her, it's going to change your lives in a major way. So before you do that, I would sit my mother down and I would sit my dad down and I would have some receipts because I'm a receipts kind of girl but I would say mom I know that you talked to my ex 
did you know that this is why we broke up? And you need to let her know why you broke up. Even if it was an amicable breakup, you still need to let her know that that person still hurt you. Because everybody who goes through a breakup, regardless if they say, oh, it wasn't that bad, it's still a breakup and it still is a form of rejection and it still makes you feel some type of way. Then you need to let her know how it has made you feel that she talks to that person. Yeah, it makes me feel happy, makes me feel sad, makes me feel annoyed. Whatever that emotion is, pinpoint it and let her know about it. And then after you let her know about it, let her know I am going to propose to. And I would really appreciate it if you could knock that shit off. And then after you do that, unfortunately, you're going to have to contact your ex. And you may have to say to her, I know that you and my mom are very good friends, but I am about to embark on a journey and I would really appreciate it if you and my mother could not have as much contact as you do. This is going to seem like a headache because you're going to hear a lot of static from either one of those people. I like your mama. I like your ex. That ain't my fault that y'all broke up. She's still a friend of mine. But the truth of the matter is... There is no way in hell that you can tell me that an ex is still a friend with my parent unless they are, number one, trying to get the goods on me to see if they can still sneak in. Number two, trying to get the goods on me to see if they can still sneak in. And if your mother does not recognize that, then unfortunately, you may have to cut her off because I would hate for you to find the perfect girl for you, but your mother is on your ex's side and starts to do little petty things to ruin the relationship. Because there's nothing worse than having a perfect relationship, but the argument is always about somebody who's not in y'all's relationship. So really think about that. Do I think you need to tell your mother? Yes, you need to tell your mother, you need to tell your daddy, and you need to contact the ex. But all of this needs to be nipped in the bud before you propose to her because it's no longer about the ex. And if your mom doesn't get that, then you need to say that. It's not about her anymore. It's about her. She's the one I chose. She is going to be in our family, and we need to make sure she feels like family because no one feels good when you're supposed to be her new mom because you're mom-in-law, but you're still talking to the ex, right? So I want to thank you so much for th- for the letter and let me know how it goes. All right, we've reached the second half of my podcast, and that is where I answer letters from you, my beautiful friends and fans. Let's get started. Our first letter is from a female in Alabama. She writes, Dear Jessica, I need your help. I have been dating my boyfriend for the past three years. Over the years, his physical and emotional abuse have worsened. We are at a point in our relationship where he beats me and immediately after we have sex. I will not lie to you, Jessica. This has been the best sex I have ever had with anyone. The last time we did have sex... He choked me and pulled a gun on me beforehand and forced me to have sex with him. I will not lie, it was amazing, but I am honestly fearful of my life. How do I get out of this cycle? Well, female in Alabama, this is a tangled web that we have weaved. So, um... 
first I want to identify some things with you. So this has been gradual abuse and sometimes when it's gradual abuse we become accustomed to that abuse and when we're accustomed to certain abuses we stop thinking of it as abuse we start thinking of it as his special way of loving us like him controlling what we eat what we wear where we go how we go and who we go with and then on top of it we start adding physical abuse now that is abuse There are also some aspects I feel like in this relationship that we are not discussing, which is the BDSM aspect of this relationship. Now, a lot of people don't understand why people want someone to choke them during sex or spank them or hit their boobs really hard or pinch their nipples. But it is proven that that pain causes an adrenaline rush. And because you have an adrenaline rush, sex will be better. That is what is happening in this instance with this particular guy. He gets his adrenaline rushed and pumped by hitting you. And you get your adrenaline rushing because he is hitting you. And then you both are getting the adrenaline rushing because you already know what's going to follow after he hits you. You know you guys are going to have this intimate, passionate, primal sex. And that is all fair and great if that is something you want. But by the looks of this letter, this is something you are not prepared for, nor is it something you thought that you would ever have. So I'm going to tell you that you need to be very safe when it comes to this, because it sounds like you and him are not practicing BDSM. Practicing BDSM means that you know the rules, the regulations, you know how to properly choke somebody so that they aren't hurt. You know how to properly slap someone with your palm of your hand so that it leaves marks, but it doesn't leave bruises. Okay, so we are doing BDSM, but we're doing it in a heightened state. And this is a very dangerous state because you both are amateurs and you don't know what you're doing and he could end up killing you on accident the fact that he brought a weapon to this is because I would guarantee that him hitting you is not going to do it for him he's going to keep upping this so it was a gun this time could be a knife next time and guess what next time it could be that he points the gun in your mouth in your you know areas that you don't want it to your head because that's kind of where he's at he's going down a very dark sexual path and unfortunately it's going to get darker there is no oh well he decided he doesn't want to choke me anymore to have sex because these people get off on harming you in real life and I would bet you money that if you guys go back to the vanilla sex that you had and it was so much fun of just, oh, he used to love me and make love to me, I would bet money that he wouldn't be able to get a heart on. And I would bet money that he's still not able to get a heart on now. And that's why you're willing to do this for him. Stop being willing to be someone's punching bag. You are his punching bag. And this is not worth the consequences that are going to happen in the future which is you may get in a real relationship where this man does not abuse you and you don't know how to identify with that because you've been in that kind of relationship a long time another thing is your safety 
no man should be choking you hitting you any of that to have sex with you that is toxic and abusive and you need to get out of it you also need to get into therapy I would get into therapy as fast as I could I wouldn't even tell him about any of this and I'm sure you haven't but I would try to work out an exit strategy I would make sure that um, I went to Win Georgia Smiles and I would download that app that um, can be seen on your phone. It looks like a normal app, but it's got an emergency contact where you hit this button on the app and your emergency contact will get this automated message that you've put in like, help me, I'm ready, pick me up at such and such a time and I'll be ready. But you need to make sure that you have a safe exit plan. You need to make sure that you're going to therapy. And the number one thing you also need to do, make sure you're not blaming yourself because this isn't your fault. You got into a manipulative situation. This person is manipulative and this person is abusing you. And unfortunately, with sexual molesters, with people who abuse you, Sometimes the abuse feels good and sometimes we don't want to admit that but I mean hey he's beating you but at the end of it he's stroking you and making you feel like a queen right and you guys have that little honeymoon phase and then up starts all over again you get addicted to that cycle the best way to break that cycle is to end it end it as quickly and abruptly as it started um I wouldn't do gradual. I wouldn't let him know where I was going because we are very aware that over 55% of people who leave their abuser end up injured or dead after they leave. So just be very mindful that the person you're dealing with right now, if he is willing to do this to you and have sex with you after, what will he not do to you? So I want you to, number one, stay safe. Number two, don't blame yourself. Number three, get the hell out of there, okay? But thank you so much for the letter. Our last and final letter comes from a female in Missouri. She writes... Dear Jessica, my boyfriend of four years has always been aggressive, but it's always been in a very sexy way. Lately, he has been scaring me. We have been arguing quite a lot. We are quarantined together. He has punched a hole in the wall. He has thrown things across the room and he has even grabbed me. Is this the quarantine making him like this? Well, female in Missouri, thank you so much for writing me the letter. So I just want to point out to you, you asked me, is the quarantine making him ultra aggressive? But the first sentence you gave me was my boyfriend of four years has always been aggressive, but in a sexy way. So when I hear something like that, that means that his aggression has never been towards you. You've always been on the opposite end of it. And I'm sure you have enjoyed him bucking up on some folks because we always like to see our man buck up just oh he did that honey testosterone he's mine yes but I want you to remember the first sentence you said he's always been aggressive but it was in a sexy way and now he's being aggressive but it's not in a sexy way he's being aggressive in a scary way 
I'm going to say this to you and you're going to think I'm being a bitch, but there is no way in hell being aggressive is sexy. It's not. Standing up for yourself, standing up for the little guy, that is sexy. But when someone is aggressive, when I hear aggression, I equate it to violence. I equate it to this person does not have very good communication skills. So instead of them trying to communicate with me, they go to aggression. And once the aggression happens and I'm still not doing what they want me to do, then the aggression turns violent. You see that connection? And that's the connection I'm trying to get you to make because he's always been this way. It's just that sometimes certain situations allow us to take off the rose-colored glasses, as my grandmother would say, and see the situation for what it is. Your boyfriend has always been aggressive. He's always been that type of guy. Just now, you're getting to see it firsthand at just how aggressive he is. I'm sure he has punched a wall without you knowing it. And I'm sure he's always wanted to shake the shit out of you, but he didn't do it because he knew it would make you view him in a different light. And sometimes aggressors do that where they don't want you to see them in a different light because once you do see them in a different light, you see them for what they really are and then they have to become violent with you, okay? So I'm gonna say this to you. My grandmother used to tell me this all the time about abusive men. The first time an abusive man hits you, he's going to apologize. And he's going to tell you, baby, I'll never do it again. I'm going to buy you flowers. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And for that first three to six months, he does it. And you feel like he was just having a bad day. The second time he hits you, it's usually within six to nine months of the first time he hits you. And he's going to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so stressed. He's going to run that same gamut on you if he thinks you believe it. And if you believe it, then, hey, we're going to do the same cycle. We're going to go back to the honeymoon. He loves me. He must really love me. He must really not want me to leave because he did all of this for me. Because, you know, us women, we love to do that internal bullshit talk. That's really just what it is. Bullshit. Because the truth is, if someone loves you, they're not going to put their hands on you like that. If someone wants to control you, if someone wants to manipulate you, then they will put their hands on you like that, okay? Now, the third time he puts his hands on you, he's not going to apologize. Do you know why he's not going to apologize? Because he meant it the first and the second time. And you should have known it, right? So, I gave you this story to tell you that this is possibly going to get worse as quarantine goes on. There was a study done in China after quarantine, their divorce rate went up by double. Unfortunately, people don't realize who they have until a pandemic happens. And then you actually get to sit with that person that you've chosen and you get to see their ups, their downs, their flaws. You know, you see it all. And then you get to make a educated decision on whether or not you want to be with that person. 
And I feel like you wrote me this letter because you want to make an educated decision about this person. You guys, thank goodness, are not married and you didn't mention any kids. So I'm just going to go on a limb and say that you are not married and you do not have kids. And I would make sure that I kept it that way until homeboy can get some act right. And when I say act right, I mean therapy. I mean him actually dealing with the fact that he has to put his hands on you. And you need to deal with that. Don't ever let nobody feel like they can put their hands on you. Even now in a pandemic, there are places for you to go. There are shelter. There are steps in place for you to get out of that. So don't ever let him think he can put his hands on you now because you ain't going no fucking where. There's places for you to go. Don't ever feel helpless in this situation. But I feel like the reason you wrote me is because you want me to tell you the real. And the real is the aggressive behavior that you thought was sexy is no longer sexy because he's doing it to you now. And now that he has done it to you, there is a very high chance, like 75% chance, he's going to continue to do it to you even after the pandemic. So get ready for that cycle. But you can always break it. You can always break it. So don't ever feel like you're trapped. But make sure that you're taking the steps necessary to let him know how you feel. Do it in a calm way. Don't don't aggravate him and don't let him aggravate you. But if you guys are arguing in quarantine, you guys need to go to separate rooms. And you guys may not need to bring that topic up for, you know, another three days until you guys can actually have that conversation. But that's really what this boils down to is no one should be that frustrated where they're putting their hands on you because people who love you do not hurt you. Okay, so thank you so much for the letter and let me know how it goes. Our last and final letter is from a male in Texas who writes, Dear Jessica, I lost my dad to COVID three weeks ago. Do you have any advice? Well, male in Texas, I am really sorry that you are going through this. I know that I have lost someone to it as well. And um, I spoke with their husband and he was very heartbroken because, you know, you can't be with them in their final moments you can't touch them and um you can't view the body usually the body is gone or cremated so i feel you i think this is a very somber time and we need to remember that we are losing people and this isn't a hoax this is real it's very real and it's not a political crisis it is a health crisis. So with that being said, I hope that you are staying safe. I also hope that you are, you know, praying, staying prayed up. I hope that you are around some people who can at least Zoom call you, FaceTime you, make sure that you're okay. And the same with your mom. I don't know if she is still alive or not, but just, you know, make sure that your family, that you're checking in on them and that you guys can actually just be okay. I think the thing with these kind of deaths is that there is absolutely very little closure. 
because number one, it's sudden. Number two, you don't get that last look with them. You know, once you get that last look, it gives you, you know, a little permanence in your mind that they're going to be at a better place and I can move on. But with this, you don't get that. So for the most part, it's like, well, they just left and they never came back. So I want you to allow yourself to feel the grief of that. You know, it's okay to grieve the fact that you didn't get to be by your father's side. But I also want you to know that this isn't your fault. So please don't blame yourself. If you could have been cleaner, if you could have been neater, if you could have, don't go through that. Because it is what it is. This is a pandemic. It's an airborne. It comes from droplets. Now it could come through sexual transmission. This is something that we are very ignorant as as Americans, we have no idea what this is. And as a world, we really don't know what it is. So I don't want you to go down a blame shame spiral. I want you to stay strong. And I know you're going to say this is so hard to stay strong. It is. It's very hard to stay strong. But I want you anytime you feel like you're missing your dad, I want you to repeat. I've lost the loved one, not the love. I've lost the loved one, not the love. And as you say that, I want you to, in your mind, envision all of the great times that you had with your dad. Even if it's one great time, that's your great time. And it, at first, will feel like it's breaking your heart. But you need to remember him in that way, in a good place in your heart. And it also keeps that memory alive. Because sometimes with grief, we just push it down, push it down, and we don't want to remember. And then we may see a picture of him two years from now and break down. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to handle your grief the right way. So cry when you need to, scream when you need to, yell when you need to, break things when you need to, keep a journal Keep your pastor on speed dial. Keep your mama on speed dial. But the number one thing I want you to remember is that you don't lose their love. You just lost a loved one. And during this time, make sure that you're staying safe. You know, guard your heart, guard your mind, and just remember that you are not alone in this. Our second letter is from a male in New York who writes, Dear Jessica, I have been dating this beautiful woman for the past two years. Isn't he sweet? She is a sex worker. I have never judged her. I know that it is her job and that she is happy with our relationship. The problem that I am having is that she refuses to tell me her legal name. Well, we are about to move in together and I want to make sure everything is 50-50 as well as a surprise, but she is not budging. I asked her why she doesn't want me to know her real name. She says because it brings up the past. Please help Jessica. Wow. Okay. This is one of my first, um, she's a sex worker and doesn't want to give me her name, which is, you know. All right. So, um... Let's really get into that. You have been with this person for two years and um, she has not given you her name and you have respected that. And I want to, you know, give you props for that. And I know a lot of guys out there like, um, 
you've been dating this bitch for two years and you don't know her name you're a duck but then i want to i want to reverse that you guys be dating bitches for years and they still think your name is baby bear or cj yeah I'm going to throw that out there. So that's not really the issue that I'm having with that. Everybody has a reason for why they like to be called what they like to be called. You know what I mean? So um, for her, it could be that that name, it gives her strength. And I don't think a lot of people really understand that sex work is empowering work. Why is it empowering work, Jessica? I'm so glad that you asked me that, face puppet. No. <laughs> um, sex work is empowering because it makes you take your power back. I don't think men realize how much societal pressure women are under to look a certain way, to be a certain way, to act a certain way for your man. And then your first boyfriend tells you you're too skinny. Your second boyfriend tells you you're too fat. Your third boyfriend tells you that he doesn't like redheads. He likes blondes. You know what I mean? Your fourth boyfriend, I don't even like black girls. I'm just dating you to get ahead. And then eventually you're like, well, what the fuck? I'm going to start doing this for me. And sometimes when you are a sex worker, that happens with that because you're able to create a character, just like Beyonce creates Sasha Fierce on that stage because she's too shy to actually perform as Beyonce. That's the same with sex workers. That's, you know, the legit thing. Now, I'm a little different. When I got into adult film, I wanted to use my real name because that's how, you know what I mean, transparent I am in my life. Like, it wasn't a shock to anybody when I was like, hey, I'm going to be an adult film star. No one was like, you? Jessica, you? Everybody was like, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, glad I, it's that. I thought you were going to be a stripper. And it's like, come on, please, stripping, I can't. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I'm one of those rare people who I'm not really worried about my name. But at this point in my life, I don't like to bring up my name because you have a lot of lurkers who like to do background checks and see what your life is and just stupid shit that doesn't need to happen and very dangerous stuff. I think with her, this is about empowerment that she has left her real name behind and she has basically absorbed that person and this is her new life. And I want to again commend you for sticking around. So now the thing is, you need to have a conversation with her. Not about, um, babe, you got to tell me your legal name. But now it's got to be about a legal name change. Aha. There you go. If I was going to say, no, she need to tell you her. No. If anything, if you're still comfortable with this two years in, the next logical step would be, babe, since you've told me that your name brings so much trauma, maybe we should discuss getting a name change once this pandemic is up right because we know some of the courts they're working but they're not working at full capacity so some of the things and the steps you would need to change your name may not be able to do so so then once you guys have that conversation about the name change she may then feel like explaining to you you know yes I want to go that far I want to get my name changed thank you baby so much you're so um, helpful or she could say I don't want to go that drastic but I do want to give you a reason behind why I don't want to do that now another thing with surprises women we say we love surprises but the truth is we love a surprise if we know what the surprise is <laughs> it's the truth I love a surprise but I love to know what the surprise is so then my surprise face 
can be surprised. That's every single woman. Even women who be like, I love when somebody surprised me. Right. They have called all their homegirls. Girl, what is it? Did you hear about somebody saying they got a surprise? It's just, it's in our nature. So when you're trying to surprise her, just remember that your gifts and the things you want to surprise her with, it may not be able to be be, you know, catered around her legal name. It may be that you may have to just, you know, push forward with the name that she's given you. And I really don't want you to take this as something personal. You know what I mean? It would be different if she had an ex and he was like, yeah, I know that bitch's real name. I know all her business. You know what I mean? But it sounds like to me that, you know, this is who she is now. And she doesn't want to look back. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. People change their hair color, change their hairstyles, change their eye color, change their weight. You know what I mean? Change their man, their house. Why can't they change their name? You know what I mean? And move forward with that. You know, the number one thing is with any relationship, it's a real relationship. So just continue to keep the communication open and continue to keep your heart open and just love her for the way that she is because she obviously loves you for the way that you are. Thank you so much for the letter and I hope my advice helped. The next letter is from a female in Seattle. She writes, Dear Jessica, I am casually having sex with someone. He only likes to have sex on the rooftop of buildings. He told me he likes to hold my head off the edge while he fucks me. Should I be scared? Oh, all right. Female in Seattle. You guys are living dangerous up in that piece. Um, first off, good job about, you know, having, you know, your COVID sex <laughs> outside. No, I'm joking. That was a really poor joke. Um, okay. So this is the issue that I think you should have with this is that this person is playing around with your life. Now, it would be different had you wrote me and said, Dear Jessica, me and this guy like to have really wild sex. Sometimes we fuck on rooftops and I like to have his head hanging off a ledge. And then sometimes he likes to have my head hanging off a ledge. And I'd say, oh my God, that's like crazy, crazy sex. But what I'm seeing is a pattern of basically abuse because you're not the one doing this. He's doing this to you. And the fact that you're asking, should you be scared? I think that you already are scared, but the sex is so thrilling to you that you are probably hooked. And unfortunately, this is, you know, a reason why people do risky sex. Because what a lot of people don't get is when you have sex, just like when you work out, you have something called happy endorphins. Happy endorphins make you feel, oh my God, I'm so happy. I can take over the world. I can crush this shit. I can do drywall. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're there. And then on top of that, you add adrenaline to the happy endorphins. And it's like, oh my God, I can see rainbows, like all that shit, right? So that's where you're at. But I want you to also remember that it only lasts for that time. And each time when he has sex with you, it's gonna get riskier and riskier and riskier. And I just wanna point out to you, again, he's not risking his life. He's risking your life. 
Because what happens if he fucks you so hard you fall off the rooftop? Do you really think he's going to look over and be like, oh, or do you think as soon as you go splat and somebody says screams, that nigga is gone, gone, gone. Yeah, you sell my ghetto, come out of me, because I'm shocked, girl. Like, I think as women, we really need to have more control over our sexuality. And we we don't always have to be a pick-me chick in, in these kind of casual sex uh, situations. And I know you're going to be like, bitch, I ain't no pick-me chick. No, but you're acting like one. Because as soon as he told me that, I would have said what I said to you earlier. I would have said, okay, am I going to get to fuck you with your head off a ledge? That would have set the stage for equality. And once you have that stage set, it also sets boundaries. So then it would be, oh, well, I can't choke her unless she lets me choke. You know what I mean? It's, It's a give and a take. And this sexual experience that you're having, this casual sexual encounters that you're having with this man, it does not feel like a give and a take. It feels like you're getting it and he's taking it. Whatever energy that is, he's taking that. So be very aware when you're having sex with people, the energy that they're giving to you and the energy that you're giving to them. After these sexual encounters, always monitor how you feel. And from you writing me, I would imagine that your friends are worried for you and you're also worried for you. If you're, you know, scared that you can't tell him, then girl, cut him off. Ghost his ass. You know how many people ghost? (laughs) You know what I mean? Ghost him, whatever. Because again, it's a casual sexual encounter. And then another thing is if you are not no longer comfortable with this, maybe talk to someone about it other than me. You know what I mean? Because I get why you're contacting me. I'm an adult film star. I've had bizarre sex. I, You know what I mean? Yes, but this is dangerous because this is your life. It's not both of you. You know what I mean? I can understand if y'all were on a hot air balloon and y'all both fucking y'all's brains out. Okay, both of you could possibly die. So there's the, you know what I mean? There's a risk and a reward, but this is more about him playing with your life. And unfortunately, we only have one life. And I want you to live yours open, honest, and sexually free. And hey, if this is your thing, if you like having your head off of a ledge and somebody's got their hand on your throat while they're beast fucking you, girl, more power to you. But I just want you to be aware that it's very dangerous and that it sounds very dangerous. All right? And just be safe. You know, that's the number one thing that we do when we have crazy sex is that we make sure that we have a safe word and that we are being safe and that the people we're having casual sex with, they can still respect our boundaries. I think a lot of the times when we have casual sex, we think that means that we can do whatever with this person because we're having casual sex. He don't know me like this. So if, if I want him to eat my ass for three hours, whatever is casual sex. But we need to be very mindful. Yeah, it's casual sex, but we still need to be wearing condoms. Yeah, it's casual sex, but we still need to be having the how many partners have you fucked? Because if it's casual sex, this is the thing. I've noticed people are more honest when they're having casual sex hookups about their sexuality, what they want sexually than they are in a real relationship. So be honest with yourself and with these casual with these people that you're having casual sex with. With this guy, 
I would say you would know him better than I. You really didn't tell me about his personality type, whether he's dangerous, whether he's a dom, whether, you know what I mean? So I would say gauge it based on that. But my strong suggestion is I would no longer partake in this because I'm going to say something to you and you're going to think I'm crazy as hell, but I would bet money that is the only way that he can get his dick hard. Yeah, adrenaline junkies. Adrenaline junkies are fun. Don't get me wrong, girl. He gonna fuck the shit out of you on every rooftop. And you go, ooh, ooh, ooh. But ask him to fuck you in a bed. Ask him to have a romantic fuck session with you and see what that dick do. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for the letter. Hope this advice worked. All right, now it's time for the second half of our show, which is Letters to Jessica. For those who are just tuning in, Letters to Jessica is just something that we have come up with where people in my personal life, fans and friends send me um, emails and they ask me questions and I generally will answer them. Everybody has given me consent to answer these. No, I am not a psychiatrist. This is just people asking me for my advice. So let's get started. So our first letter is from a male who lives in Arkansas. He writes, Dear Jessica, I'm an African-American male who is a Republican. This will be the first time I vote Democrat. I feel anxious and nervous. Do you have any advice? Well, male in Arkansas, I want to say you're not alone. I think the demographic for African-American Republicans is actually quite higher than what people realize um and i'm not talking about the republicans now because this is not actually the republican party i feel like the republican party has been infiltrated by some folks who are a little cuckoo cachoo and that's not what it was about but if we go to the guidelines of you know what the republican is you know um making sure that you work you know earn what you work for, you know, all that stuff. African-American people have, you know, more kindred spirits in line with the Republican agenda when it was a good Republican agenda. Now that this is going on, I think people need to understand, and I'm going to say this to you and maybe you can say it to your friends. We are not voting for Joe Biden. We are not voting for Kamala Harris. At this moment, we are voting for an idea. And what a lot of people don't understand with democracy is you're not necessarily voting for that person because you like that person. This is not a popularity contest. This is about our democracy and where we want it to go. And unfortunately, this is where we're at. I think Joe Biden, he um, is a Democrat, but he leans Republican. So I would say don't feel so bad about that. But I do want to point out that, again, this is not about party affiliation. This is about our democracy. So when I say that, I want you to think about your future and what you want um, projected in America within the next 10 years, three years, one year, because I think that's what happens. People don't really pay attention to politics when they're not doing what our current president is doing, which is just causing chaos and drama. He's literally had to wake us all up so that we look at politicians a different way. I feel like African-Americans in this day and age do need to get more involved in politics because I feel like um, 
unfortunately, some of our white allies are out of touch with that. They, they've had generational wealth. They've had great credit. So they don't really know what the disparities for African-American communities, brown communities are. And so when we put more African-Americans in office, more brown people in office, then we really can start to work on legislatures. We we can actually have people work for us. And when, I, when we say vote blue all the way down the ticket, what a lot of people don't understand is that that's, that's how it works. Um, voting isn't just about the president. It's more so about everybody on that ticket. So you may think, oh, well, I'm just going to vote for the president and that'll be enough. It's actually not going to be enough. You're going to want to vote for the town halls people. You're going to want to vote your butt off. Because every election matters. And so it's really important that you make your voice heard, you know, like the mayor. A lot of people don't know a mayor. When you vote for your mayor, it's another local government official that usually appoints the chief of police in the city to manage law enforcement. So you see how that goes. Then when you do that, then we may have a sheriff. You want to vote for your sheriff because a sheriff is typically an elected position that oversees a county and is responsible for enforcing the law. The state attorney general are the top legal officers of their state. Most are elected and have jurisdiction over criminal prosecutions. They also advise and represent their legislature and state agencies. So then we go up some more. So then your state legislature, the reason you want to vote for them is because they are responsible for policies that define what constitutes crime to crime and funding of the government agencies that are responsible for dealing with the dealing with the defenders and the victims. So then you keep going. So we go up. So then the majority of states you want to vote for your judge and this is why you need to know who your judges are in your state because the majority of states will select the judges to the state's supreme courts while others are appointed depending on your state's constitution each state has a different constitution but the same so your number one bet is this is why we vote blue all the way down because when you do that you're changing who your mayor is who will then change who the police the sheriff is the sheriff then will change who the police chief is who will then you know what I mean that's that's how it works so then um, we keep going with our governors the reason that you want to vote in the governor race is because governors play a crucial role in ensuring public safety and security and they oversee state agencies that implement criminal justice and public safety policy and programs including state police corrections and juvenile so governors really work with the jail reform system and this is why it's so important to get involved so that way you know exactly what kind of prison reform for juveniles and for older people because the number one issue that we find is that Is there really any reform in the criminal system? This is why it's important to vote. So then we keep going. You have your senators and representatives in Congress. The reason that you're voting for them and you're voting blue is so that you can create a federal law and have power to reform the criminal justice system through the legislation. The last vote is the president. 
And the reason we vote for the president is because this person will appoint the attorney general who will lead the Department of Justice. This executive department of the USA government is responsible for enforcing the federal law and administering justice in the United States. So now that I've told you that, I want you to think about all the people that the current president has put in position. None of these people are qualified and none of these people actually care about any of those things that we just listed off about criminal reform, juvenile reform, laws in your area. They don't really care. So that's why you're not seeing a lot of change. But imagine if we got forward thinking black, brown, white, yellow, orange people to get in those positions of power and to see the actual change. And that's the whole thing. It wouldn't be a trickle down effect anymore. It would be what we call a wave. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a lasting change because, you know, male in Arkansas, the things that he has unrolled this current president, we're going to we're going to be at least 20 to 30 years before we find out how much damage is done. But there's no reason to be anxious or nervous. If anything, I would tell you that, you know, you are doing your duty as a proud American and you keep being proud to be an American. Thank you so much for the letter. Our last and final letter of this episode comes from a male in Washington. He writes, Dear Jessica, I like paying for sex. I do not know why people get shamed for it, honestly. Your thoughts? Well, male in Washington, I think that sex work, prostitution is a form of sex work, and I do feel like it needs to be decriminalized and it needs to be destigmatized. And I'll tell you why. Um, Because there are so many people who need the care of a sex worker. I would figure you are probably a male who enjoys just being able to get up and go. And I always have to tell people that when they ask me, "Why why people like to pay for sex? You are not paying for sex. You are paying that person to not judge you. Mm-hmm. You're paying for that person's silence. And also, married men who pay for sex, generally, they're paying for sex so that way it kind of is a boundary. Like, if I'm paying for this, that means that that's all it was. It was no emotions in it. And then young men sometimes like to pay for sex to get the experience. There are some people who feel like I want to lose my virginity because I want to be a good lover to my girlfriend and they may see a prostitute. There may be a couple who is not able to have sex because one of their partners is terminal, terminally ill and is going through radiation and chemo and they need that intimacy. Then there are some, some customers who just come and they want to talk. There are also other customers who just love to help out a beautiful person. So, I mean, sex work is not just about paying for sex. It's a service. And whatever service is within that, that's between the client and the provider. An interesting fact, why is prostitution the oldest 
um, occupation. But what a lot of people don't understand is back in olden days, virginity was looked at as something to be protected, even to the point where when they would train knights, they would tell them, you are, I'm training you to protect not only your Lord's household, but your lady's virginity and his daughter's virginity because back then women were were like cattle you could get a highest bid if your daughter was untouched and so a lot of women would run away because your life was not your own also it was illegal for women to have money okay so you run away from whatever dad you had who's trying to basically sell you like you are a prize cattle but you want to be whatever you want to be so usually women would run away and they would become a barmaid or they would become a prostitute and a lot of the times you didn't get to keep money you had to barter in jewels and that's how prostitution and jewels became a correlation But in order to establish your independence, that was a big deal was you had to remove the stigma around sexuality. A lot of prostitutes in the world have formed the world. One of the baddest fucking pirates was a a female prostitute. Mm -hmm. A lot of influence comes from you know, being a paramour back in those days and you would date a, you know, a governor or someone like that and that would allow your safety. But in order for women to actually be independent, to buy their freedom, prostitution was a big way because back then there were, you couldn't be a librarian. You couldn't be an artist. You know what I mean? You couldn't be any of that. You would either have to be a prostitute or a widow. And sometimes... You don't want to be a widow. You just want to be free. But yes, I agree. I think that the one way we can help decriminalize this is more people need to start talking about why sex work needs to be available. And we also need to also talk about consent. If you are under the age of consent, then shouldn't be, you know, talking about prostitution. But we need to make sure that we not only just talk about prostitution, why it needs to be legalized and decriminalized, but we also need to talk about sexuality. We need to be more open with our kids about their bodies in general, naming it, calling it the right names, um, letting them be responsible for their autonomy. And that's a big, big step in the world that I think we're all ready to take. And I think the more we talk about why sex work needs to be decriminalized, then people will be able to have the sexual freedom that they desire because they did, a, you know, surveys. And it only says, like the UK, only 34% of people are sexually happy. That is not a lot of folks. <laughs> that is not a lot of folks. But could you imagine if sex work was decriminalized everywhere and, hey, I can go get what I want and not have to worry about, you know, my friends laughing or, or nagging me or worry about if this lady is, you know, got something because she's licensed, she's clean, and there's a safe place for us to go. So 
yeah, I think it's, um, I think sex work is, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's a real job. It is work. And I think the more that we talk about it and the more that we're open to the possibility, the more change that we can get from it. Thank you so much for writing me this letter. All right, so now we have reached the second half of my podcast, which is letters to Jessica. I'm going to start with our first letter. It reads, Dear Jessica, can you explain what a fetishist is? I'm a white male who prefers to date black women. My ex-girlfriend left me a few months ago, and she said one of the reasons was because she felt like I was a racist and a fetishist. Whoa. (laughs) Well, sir... Sounds like you guys ended on bad terms. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. I always apologize when I feel like there's a relationship that is, you know, ended on bad terms. Okay, so what is a fetishist? All right, so in the adult industry, all of those categories that you see when you go into an adult site, and I'm sure you're not doing it and there are other people who are, (laughs) but... Um, It'll say ebony, anal, big tits. That's a fetish. And what happens is people um, only want to see that particular category. And um, how I explain it with white men is, is, why do you date black women? If you date black women simply because they are black women, then you may be a fetishist. If you only want to take her to African-American things and she wants to go to a ballet or she wants to go to an opera or she wants to go to Beijing, but you want to go to like Joe's Crab Shack and I want to eat some chitlins and hogmoggles. Like if you're, you could be considered a fetishist. Um, then another thing With a fetishist, also, when you talk to someone and you're into them, are you into them or are you into their skin color? Because I've dated a couple of white guys, and y'all know me. I, you know, don't discriminate, but I've I've dated some fetishists. And it feels very uncomfortable because they say things like, I love your beautiful black skin. Let's go see your mama. See what I'm saying? Like, They just turn that little switch on, but everything they love about you is in direct correlation to your skin color. They like that your nose is big. They want your hair nappy because you're a black girl. And I say this to tell you, you may, you may well very be a fetishist. And is that a bad thing? It is when you are looking for a soulmate. Because you're not really looking at that person's soul. You're looking at that person's attributes that get your dick hard. Yeah. So if you've said any of those things, I like your black skin, your smooth brown sugar, you've said any of that, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice, sir, you were a fetishist and you were borderline pulling some racist stuff. Now, when we say racist, a lot of people don't realize that for the most part everybody's a little racist um if you have a problem with her being around black people you need to check that out because 
I'm not going to say that's racist. I would say that's borderline racist. And it's also a white guy insecurity thing that happens when they date a pretty black woman. A lot of white men automatically go to, I'm going to have to compete against a black man. But the truth of the matter is, why are you even competing if you're with that person? Uh Uh-huh. So that can be a little racist. You don't want her to hang out with her black friends without you. And Jerome can't hang out with her because she he's a black man and you're intimidated by his blackness. That's racism. That's that's very much racist. So just remember that stuff. And guess what? I'm not a therapist, but you may want to talk to one. You may want to actually think about the reason that you like black women why you are a fetishist why you are low-key racist and you can work that stuff out because I'm going to be honest I don't think that you I don't know you well enough to say that you're a racist or a fetishist but I do want to make sure that I'm informing you to the best of my ability about what a racist and a fetishist is when it comes to dating and interracial relationships and I think one of the biggest things that people are finding now in 2020 is that yes you can be a fetishist and like black women. Yes, you can be a racist and like black women. Yeah, it's true. So you may just want to look into that, okay? Thank you so much for the letter. The last letter of the episode is from a female in California who writes to Jessica. I'm a sex worker and I am over people misjudging me. Sometimes I get really depressed about it. Do you have any advice? Ooh, female from California, tell me about it. Um, My advice to you is to keep your head up. Um, If anything, you're strong, you're resilient, you've gotten through a lot because you've got to, mentally and physically. I think you just have to remember that you have a support system. Sometimes it feels like you don't because you work for yourself. As an independent contractor, you have to make those moves happen. Sometimes when those moves don't happen, it makes you feel like it's your fault and it's a setback, when in reality, sometimes that move is just not the right move for you. So just remember that everything in your life in this moment, it's gonna pass, even this feeling. Um, And this is just the universe thickening your skin up. And you just got to remember that you are stronger than the words that are being said. You're stronger than what people say to you, how they say it, when they say it. And you do not have control over them. You just have control over you. A big thing that I've learned through my life is that I am a mirror, Every person in your life is a mirror. And what you do when you see that person and when they see you, when they talk about your life, talk about the things you do, your behaviors, they're really not talking about you. They're talking about themselves if they were you. Yeah. And most people don't realize that. So when people say horrible things to you, that's not really about you. It's about them and what they think people would say to them if they were you. 
yeah. So that was a big wake up for me is when people would say horrible things to me and call me fake and phony. And I mean, it was horrible at one point. And it just made me realize that's people's idea of me. And it got to a point where I wanted to really change people's idea of me and work around them. And, you know, and then you realize I have put so much energy into trying to remove this stigma and the shame when in reality, I'm not the stigma and I'm not the shame. It's these fucking people. these fucking people and I'm tired of their shit and I just want them to understand that I'm a fucking human and as nice as I am there is another side that can get just as mean you know what I mean and you'll get there so that's what I'm saying is you just gotta you gotta just hold on stay strong and just remember that it's not about you it's about them And unfortunately, people are horrible people. But the number one thing you know is there are tons of girls out there who are just like you who can understand. So your number one thing, I think, is to get into a group, maybe a retweet group, maybe a like group, maybe just a group that has SWs in it. And... You guys just support each other and talk. I know there are some some certain sites who have actual support lines where you can call in when you're feeling down. And um, I emailed you um, a couple of those um, when I got this letter. So I hope you check those links out and then um, just go from there. But the number one thing that you want to do is stay strong because the world is wild but you get paid to be wild. (laughs) So that means you get to control it. Everything around you can be controlled. And you just have to remember that you're worth it. That whatever they're saying, again, it's not about you. It's about what they think. And most people don't know shit. And as a wonderful person always says, if they're not paying your bills, pay those bitches no mind. Thanks so much for the letter. Hang in there. This letter is a female from North Dakota writing, Dear Jessica, this pandemic is really getting to me. I find myself randomly crying whenever I think about how many people have passed away because of careless government actions. I have been self-quarantining since March. I'm very lucky to be able to work from home. My question is, is it normal for me to randomly cry whenever I think about the people who have passed away? Woman in North Dakota, that is perfectly normal. I'm going to say some things that I'm sure you guys have not heard or maybe you have. It is perfectly normal to cry right now. It is perfectly normal to feel down. It is perfectly normal to feel like you are not on top of your game. It is perfectly normal to feel like your schedule is out of whack. It's perfectly normal to feel not normal. The thing that you need to check on is if your self-care has started to decline. If you've stopped washing your hair, brushing your teeth, those kind of things, then you may need to seek professional help. But if when you think about all of the lives that could have been saved, had we had leadership in office to just say, 
wear this mask and you'll be okay. Or to actually let us know when this hit, because now studies have shown that this has been in our shores since December of 2019. That's an awfully long time to not be aware of something so dangerous. So female in North Dakota, you cry. You cry for the lives lost. You cry for your freedom. You cry for being a survivor. But don't ever feel ashamed for emotions. And I notice in America, we get a little ashamed. Like we tell men, men, real men don't cry, which I hate. Men should be able to express their emotions because crying is a very cathartic feeling. Um, crying doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak. Crying could mean that you're frustrated. I know when I'm frustrated, I cry. I don't yell. I don't cuss. I just cry. And I know a lot of people, when they feel helpless, they cry. A lot of people, when they feel sad, they cry. Crying has such a non-definitive meaning for everything that, you know, people cry out of happiness. People cry out of romance. You know what I'm saying? So don't ever feel like, oh my God, I'm crying. So I, I just, because crying is a natural human emotion. When we are empathetic to the pain of others, which is why we are put on this earth, to be empathetic to others, to share in the experience that is life, we will cry. It will move you to tears because how can someone be this callous? How can someone be this mean? This person was a was a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, an aunt, an uncle. You see what I'm saying? So yes, you have every right to shed those tears. So don't ever, the thing is, if you don't stop shedding the tears, if you cry nonstop, then maybe we want to speak with someone. I think the number one thing that people keep lying about is these damn masks. I want everybody to admit right now that everybody has a snotty ass nose when they wear this mask. (laughs) I want everybody to admit it right now. Wearing a face mask is a pain in the ass because your nose runs and then you can't touch your nose. You're just in there. And then, oh my God, the Sahara Desert dry mouth. Let's be real. Yeah. And then let's keep going. You know what I mean? Let's just be real. Everybody is depressed. You know, everybody 2020, you know, we have been brainwashed since high school to believe that 1999 we're partying like it's 1999 because the year 2000 is coming and then we got oh my god we made it so now it's 2020 2020 what are we gonna do it's the future and then this pandemic hits and it's like oh shit we can't do anything we're in a pandemic oh my god what about my travel what about my brand what about this new book i was gonna write what about you see what i'm saying everybody feels that everybody is going to feel helpless and another thing is if you have already battled with these feelings unfortunately this situation is going to compress it even more upon you to make you feel like oh my god I'm even more depressed or I'm even more down 
So just remember that you're not alone. Everybody is feeling this. And I think after this is all said and done, we're all going to need some therapy because this is something that is a once in a lifetime thing. I always tell people, you know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, if, if, you know, God willing, I have grandkids, you know, this is going to be the scary story I tell them about, you know, grandma being stuck in the pandemic and we had to stay home all day, all day, grandma, all day, you know. So just remember, you know, we're not alone and there is always, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always a rainbow after it rains and we're going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong with memorializing these people because guess what? They are Americans. We're Americans and it's okay to be proud. It's okay to show empathy. So thank you so much for writing that letter. I hope it gets better for you. Well, that's all the time we have. I need your support, Team Grabbit. If you value the free and paid content that I've delivered over the years, please consider subscribing to my accounts or my official website, jessicagrabbit.com today. If you're already a subscriber, now's a great time to use the tip me feature on this Anchor app, as well as the other sites that I have. Send me an Amazon gift card or refer 10 friends that you know that will benefit from my service. Remember, Every contribution, big or small, will ensure that I am able to produce content in the years to come. One day soon, this crazy era of social distancing and hunkering down at home will be behind us. And I'll be back working out at the gym at 6.30 a.m. and camming my regular 10 to 11 a.m. shift. And I know all of you are having fantasies about getting immersed in some of the -the out-of-the-house activities once again. But for now... Every one of us needs alternative ways to escape, and I aim to be that escape. So long, and remember, be good, or be good at it. Until next time, bye.